the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. I want to speak on the subject, in the house. And when I say in the house... I'm talking about the house of God, because this is God's house. This is His church. You are His people, and all God's people said. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. You have to understand some historical stuff here. Acts 2 is a historical record or document that details the first century church, how the church started, back when it started. Now, the church started around the year 33 AD, roughly. So in 10 years from now, today's 2023, in 10 years, it will be the year 2033, I want you to write this down. The church, the church that started in the book of Acts will be 2,000 years old. You're a part of something that started 2,000 years ago. Now, I had a birthday this last week. No applause. Don't ever get old. That's my advice to you. But in 10 years from now, how old will you be? I will be about 75 years old. I hope I'm still around. I don't know if I will. I live every day knowing it could be my last day. I could die today and I'm I'm ready to go be with Jesus. Don't feel bad. Be happy because I'll be with him. But in a perfect world, I'd like to hang around here another 10 years and grow old with you and preach One last time through the entire book of Acts. Because I've done it twice in the last 36 years. I've been here a long time. I'd like to wait 10 more years, be here in 2033 on the anniversary of the church, 2,000 years old, preach one more time through the book of Acts, and then hand this thing off to the next pastor. Maybe sooner, maybe later, you never know. Amen? So I want you to take your Bibles and realize, in case you don't know it, that everything that happens here in this church is because of what's written back here in Acts chapter 2. This church is not a building 
It's not brick and mortar, lights and seats. This church is the blood-bought, redeemed, holy, biblical, spiritual, literal bride of Jesus Christ. The church, the vehicle by which God planned the world to find Jesus. And here at Shepherd, we do what we do because of what we read on that first church 2,000 years ago. So here's how it started. Here's how the church started that's coming up on the 2,000th anniversary. Verse 1 of chapter 2. It was the day of Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Three times a year, every Jew on the earth would travel to Jerusalem for one of their religious uh, holidays. And the day of Pentecost was one of those days. Skip down to verse 5. There were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under the sun. They had gathered there. God chose that day to start the church. Skip over to verse 14. Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice, which means he got really loud because they didn't have PA systems back then. There was no electricity. A lot of people. So he raises his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And he preached the very first sermon that has ever been preached on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the first sermon of the first church. I don't have time to read it because I have my own sermon to preach. Can you say amen? The very last verse of the sermon. Now, don't forget, these people were there. They do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They don't believe that. They're waiting for a Messiah. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They're there for one of their religious holidays. And in the midst of that, Peter stands up and preaches this sermon. And at the end of the sermon, he says, Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this, that God had made this Jesus, whom you crucified, that man that you thought died on that cross, he's actually not a thief like those other two guys. The guy that died on that cross is actually the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's the Christ. And they're like, what? And so verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they, and, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? Peter said, listen to me, you've got to do two things. You've got to repent, every one of you. You've got to be baptized. You say, why do you baptize here at church? Because this is because of what Peter said here. He said, you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized, every one of you, into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise of your sins being forgiven and the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-great-grandchildren and for the people in the next 500 years and for the next 1,000 years and for the next 2,000 years and for all, even those folks up there in Porter Ranch, California, for our, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This promise is for all of you. With many other words, he warned them, pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were what? Baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church began with 3,000 people who all stepped forward. They all repented. They were all baptized. They all had their sins forgiven. And they all received the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So when you come to this church, we teach that you have to believe in Jesus, that you need to repent, you need to be baptized, every one of you into the name of Jesus Christ, you need your sins forgiven, and you need to receive this gift called the Holy Spirit. And at the moment, at the moment salvation occurs, God puts you in the church. You don't get to choose. It's automatic. You're in the church. Amen? Now, that's the text. I want to break this sermon up into three major sections. Section number one, write this down. The four points of devotion. Four points of devotion. Everybody say the word devotion. Devotion. Now here's the very next verse. You should get this. They, who's they? The 3,000 people who had gone to Jerusalem to to do the feast and heard Peter preach. And he said, repent and be baptized because the guy you put on that cross is actually the Messiah. And they believed them and were baptized and had their sins forgiven, received the Holy Spirit. They, the Bible says, devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and what? Prayer. Now, in your notes, I've got three columns. You see the three columns? Column one, column two, column number three. Column number one is what the first century church looked like 2,000 years ago. People who had devoted themselves, first of all, to the apostles' teaching. What is that? Well, it hadn't been written down yet, but this New Testament is the apostles' teaching written down. They were committed to the apostles' teaching, devoted. Secondly, they were devoted to a thing called fellowship. What's that? Well, in the Greek, it's this word koinonia. And it's not just fellowship where you shake hands. It's an in-depth, serious bond between people where they're, where, where they're united and, and uh, they love each other. Everybody say love. I mean, they really love each other. They're not, they're not just sitting next to each other. They love each other and they care for each other and they eat together. And they pray together. And they worship together. And uh, it's called koinonia. It's like a family. And they devoted themselves to that. And number three, to communion. which The breaking of bread, which is communion. We did that here today. It's where you take that little piece of bread and juice and eat it and drink in in remembrance. Because Jesus said, I want you to do this until I return. Always, don't ever forget what I did for you on the cross. And they were devoted to never forgetting about that. And the fourth thing they were devoted to was to prayer. That's column number one. That's the blueprint of the church. Column number two is the 20th, 21st century church. And this is like a lot of churches in the world. All right? They no longer teach the Word of God. They just kind of follow man-made creeds, man-made doctrines, man-made names. And if there's something in the Bible they disagree with, they kind of figure out a way to explain that away. And they don't really teach the Bible. Maybe teach part of it, but not all of it. And then fellowship. Ah, most churches don't talk to anybody. You get out of your car, you come in, you sit down and you leave. And don't, there's no, there's no koinonia going on. It's just, we're, we're uh, a spectator. And then we leave. And then communion, honestly, today in America, very few churches serve communion. Very few. I don't even know of a church our size in America 
that still serves communion each and every week. It might exist. I'm just telling you, most churches no longer focus on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And their prayers, they usually go, okay, we're going to pray. Turn to page 18, we're going to read prayer number four. And everybody turns and they read the prayer. It's not really from their heart, which is okay. Now, third column, Shepherd Church. (laughs) Write it down. We do what they did back in the first century church. We study through this Bible. That's why I'm always telling you, bring a Bible. And every week we open it, we read it, we explain it, we apply it. We do it every single week. All right? You've You've never come to church, we didn't open up the Bible, or you didn't hear a gospel presentation. Secondly, fellowship, that's what we call our life groups. That's why we're always trying to tell you to get in a life group. And uh, communion, we do it every week. Think about it. Close to 10,000 people, we're serving communion. We will never stop focusing on what Jesus Christ did on that cross when he died to take away our sins. Amen? And number four, our prayers are from our heart. And I just want to ask you before I go to the second part of this message, are you devoted? You say you're saved, but are you devoted? Did you bring this with you? Are you studying this? Are you learning it? Are you memorizing it? Are you applying this? Because this this is what the first century church devoted themselves to. Are you devoted to? to being in a life group, to being here every week to take communion and to praying every day. Column number two, all those churches that are doing their own thing, those churches are all dying. They're all dying. And the churches like Shepherd Church that reflects what's going on in the first century church, those churches are the ones that are growing. People tell me all the time, churches are dying all across America. I go, you should come to Shepherd. Look around, everybody look around. You think the church is dying? No, the church is alive and well. And it's because the Word of God, the Word of God never returns void. So let's go to the second section of this message. There are two places of discipline. There's two areas where we need to be disciplined. Are you ready for them? Write them down. First, in the big house, which is called the temple. And secondly, in the little house called the home the big house the temple duh everybody say duh in the little house called the home a lot of people are confused most people think well i go to church once a month twice a month i'm good i don't need to go to some small life group thing over here and some folks say well hey i have a bible study at my house I don't need to go to big church. Wrong on both accounts. Let's go look at the blueprint. The blueprint, yeah, the Word of God. Verse 46, here's what happened. Every day, they continued to meet together. Every day, not some days. Where? In the temple courts. That's the big house. And they broke bread in their homes. That's the little house. Uh And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 
Now, the disciples met regularly in what's called the temple courts, the courtyard of the temple. The temple was on top of a place called Mount Moriah, which is a place where Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. Herod the Great, I have a picture of what it looks like. Herod the Great was the one who renovated the second temple. Now, not many people can stand on top of a mountain, and so Herod had, he spent 40 years to bring in dirt and rubble and create this large, what we call it, a temple platform, which is this great, this big area, like here. So this is the, this is the temple, the original temple, where the Holy of Holies is, and this area is not very big. It's about uh, 10 by 20 yards. That's all the size of it, about the size of this platform. But this, this, the temple courts are huge. Josephus said it was the size of six stadia. Stadia is where we get our word stadium. And they've done uh, research, they've gone up and measured all this. You can put 12 football fields up on the temple mount. And that's where the disciples would go every day to worship. They went there every day. To sing psalms. They went there every day to hear Peter and John teach uh, them the truths of God. Now, uh, right here, this area, right here, this, this area right here, this has all been destroyed. The Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. But the only part that's left is part of this foundation, and that's where the western wall is. Whenever you see a picture of the western wall, it's right there. These steps, you see these steps right here? These are called the Southern Steps. And guess what? They're still there. The original steps are there. When Jesus went into the temple, he literally, Jesus, the steps he walked up, he walked up these steps and went in those two doors. David said, David, Psalm 8410, better to spend one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. I remember as a little child growing up, my mama, five kids, on Saturday night, she made sure we had our haircuts, our Sunday clothes were laid out, we had a Bible, we had to shine our shoes on Saturday night. And I explained, we would, she would help us figure out what our offerings were and put them in an offering envelope. We did all that on Saturday night. Not one time did we ever wake up on a Sunday morning wondering if we were going to go to church. We made the decision to go to church on Sunday morning on Saturday night. I want to just say to all you parents out here, all the things you're trying to teach your kids, I would tell you to get ready on Saturday night. What are we doing? We're getting ready for church tomorrow morning. That would be some good parenting. Can someone say amen? Amen. Now, So they went to the temple courts, but look at verse 46 again. It says they also met every day in their homes. That's that koinonia, that fellowship, to pray. They went to the big church, the temple, the little church, the home. And I want to tell you why they got in those little churches, those little houses, the smaller groups, is because one day you're going to fall on tough times. One day your life is going to unravel. And when your life unravels, having more money is not going to help you. Having a cure is not going to help you. 
Reading a book is not going to help you. What you're going to need at that time is a friend. And your life group, the folks in that circle, will come alongside you. They will help you. They will encourage you. They will guide you. They will cry with you. They will pray with you. They will hold you accountable. They won't give up on you. And they will be with you step by step through the best of times, but they'll also be step by step with you during the worst of times. And just in case you think you don't really have to be a part of the big house or the little house, I want you to write this down, that the Greek word for church in the Bible, it's found over a hundred times in the New Testament, is this word ekklesia. That's the word, ekklesia. And the word ekklesia means assembly. There's got to be an assembly. So when you read in the Bible, the church of Philippi, or the church of Rome, or the church of Corinth, or the church of Thessalonica, they're talking about the people who gather together. The church is not a building. It's the people who gather. And here's what the Hebrew writers said. I want to teach you something here. Hebrews 10.25, you know this verse. He says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. As some who come once a year on Easter are in the habit of doing. Now what is this word forsake? It's kind of a weird word. What does forsake mean? It's a word that means to abandon. Or to neglect. Or to desert. And what the Hebrew writer is saying is do not neglect. Do not abandon. Do not desert the gathering together as believers. And that word forsake is the same word that the same author uses to describe God when he says God will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, we love that verse. The thought that God never leaves us, that's why we love God. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never abandons us. He never deserts us. We love the fact that God never forsakes us. And the Hebrew writer said, in the same way that God never forsakes you, you should never forsake the assembling together as believers. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Let's be honest, worry, stress, and exhaustion can so easily weigh us down, especially at this time of the year. This is Kayla Francis, and whether you're facing financial hardship, relational strife, health challenges, or even just the busyness of life, be encouraged that peace, real peace, is available to you. 
Just over 2,000 years ago in the city of Bethlehem, a baby was born. While that baby was given the name Jesus, the Bible says that this Jesus would also be called the Prince of Peace. It is in his story that we find the true and lasting peace that our souls long for. This Christmas Eve, I want to invite you to celebrate the birth of the Savior with Shepherd Church in Woodland Hills. We'll be hosting four services on Sunday, December 24th. There will be live worship, a powerful sermon, and the beautiful candlelit singing of Silent Night. For more information and to plan your visit, please log on to www.shepherdchurch.com. That's www.shepherdchurch.com. No matter who you are or what you're facing, there is peace for you in Jesus. Merry Christmas, and I'll see you at Shepherd Church. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.